Welcome to Beer and a Movie, podcast from a bunch of beer and movie fans here in the South Texas hinterlands. My name is Ethan Thompson. I'm employed in an institution of higher education in a professorial capacity. With me today is Carlos. I'm Carlos Cooper. I'm a uh, movie and beer fan, record store owner, curator, etc. cetera. Uh, with us as well is David. David Gurney, yes. Uh, I'm employed as a teacher of media studies at a local institution of higher learning, and I've been a craft beer drinker for most of my adult life, and more recently, dabbling in homebrewing. And that would be our dog, Hank, barking <laughs> in the background. He, he has to be in the podcast. All right, so today our first movie up we have is Blockers. And uh, Carlos, what do we have here uh, to drink to go around, uh, go along with our uh, talk about Blockers? Well, Blockers, teen party movie, sex comedy, I guess. Uh, a tried and true format, so I went with a tried and true beer, and we've got some uh, Pabst Blue Ribbon. Why don't you go ahead and open that up for everybody? In the can. PBR in a 16-ounce uh, can, tall boy. Easily the first time in perhaps a decade that I've had a PBR. That you know, it's a mistake. It's uh, underrated. Uh, another <laughs> another reason that I went with it is I uh, I also feel that John Cena is a bit underrated as a comedic actor. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, sure, he's a or I guess still a WWE star and like super jacked and all that stuff, but he is very funny. Well, if you've never uh, you know had PBR in a uh, glass uh, sniffer, I guess. <laughs> what would you go snifter? Yes. Uh, yeah, I would describe that as extremely pale yellow. I mean, I will say. A pale yellow. Super bubbly. Yeah, yeah very bubbly. Thing. I mean, very it, bubbly. It has a very light and playful nose, I would say. Almost. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Oof. It, it has Aroma's a very... nice. Ha, to me, that's a dark nose. That's like, <laughs> that is like frat basement nose right there. That's oh, I enjoy it. See, this, this for me is not frat, frat basement, but it's a smelly, crusty, punk basement. Um Fair enough, fair enough. The, the sweat of the punks and the smell of the PBR is uh, hard to differentiate, but... Well, let's sip it for I, a little while, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about what it actually tastes like yeah. All, okay. and, and, and see if our listeners, uh, what they think about <laughs> when the last time when they had a PBR was. Yeah, I would, I would like to know for those listening how, Absolutely, yeah. how frequently PBR is in your rotation. Right, right. Go go to the Facebook page and uh, and post about your last most recent PBR experience. Yeah. So tell us about Blockers. So Blockers is a um, yeah a comedy romp about these three teenage girls who have been lifelong friends, planning to lose their virginity on prom night via a hashtag Sex Pact 2018. But things get really crazy when their parents discover a laptop that was left open in the text message thread uh, discussing said sex pact. And so John Cena, Leslie Mann, and Ike Barinholtz all you know, enact a plan to make sure that their daughters do not have sex on prom night. And, you know, shenanigans ensue. Shenanigans, hilarity, all hilarity, sorts of yeah. zaniness. You know? And then and that's the, uh, the, the key difference with this film, uh, that, that the headline names, the, the key actors are the parents, and the parents are also, I think... The cock blockers. The cock block, the, the blockers of said... For, for mainstream advertising. Yeah. Use right. the blockers. Um, so, so this is about the parents, I think, more so even than the kids. You know, I think that it is pretty equally about both in my... Uh, assessment of it. I think that it sets it up uh, as being about the parents, but I think that by the time you get to the end of the film, you realize that it's really just as much. It's it's about both in equal parts and also about the way that those two storylines interact and the relationships between the parents and the and what did you the, think and, about and the, it, Dave? Well, I think, I think Carlos is right. I, I would agree that it has sort of a balanced approach. It is definitely unique in how much it puts the parents forward in the, in the teen sex comedy genre, but I do think that there's sort of a balance there that goes on between the two um, sort of sets of storylines as, as they, you know, move towards converging. Um, I, I think that that works pretty well. What's interesting is I feel like more of the growth in terms of actual character growth takes place with the parents than it does oh, with yeah. the yes, teens. Agree. Yeah, for which sure. Is, which is another flip, right? I mean, mm -hmm. like the teen sex comedy, you hope that at least a few of them mature through the process, but that doesn't seem to be what this film is about. It's not about these teens needing to mature in their attitudes. It's the parents. Yeah, you know, and I, uh, I, 
I thought this film was hilarious. I have a daughter who's um, about to turn 20, so she's already out of high school and out of the house. And then I have another who's 13. Uh, so this was uh, frightening on a number of levels, but hilarious. <laughs> and uh, my wife and I saw this with um, uh, two other couples who also have 13-year-old daughters, and we were all just laughing our heads off. I thought it was hilarious. Um, I mean, and, you know, uh, apropos to us, there's a scene with John Cena butt-chugging a beer. Is that the right technical term? Yeah. That's what they butt use. Chug, the yeah, film. I would say yeah. that that's it, for sure. <laughs> Resident uh, butt chug expert. But Charles I'm curious, Cooper. did you guys who don't have, Dave has daughters, but thank God they're, um, you know, elementary and younger. They, they won't stay that way forever, though. No, they won't. Did y'all think it was funny? I thought it was really funny. Yeah, I, I did too. I, I, I had a lot of fun watching it. Um, I think that... For me, the strongest comedic aspects of it were John Cena and his daughter. Yeah. Uh, I thought she was hilarious. Yeah. And definitely, f- for me at least, the best of the, Absolutely. the teen cast. Uh, I, I agree. I think the, what was interesting, though, I mean, I thought it was a lot of laughs. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. However, I was surprised at how much I was just enjoying the the dramatic aspects of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. There, there were legit scenes in there where I was more tapped into the character relationships than I ever get in a typical teen sex Well, comedy. it's John Cena's master acting. <laughs> but on, honestly, he was really good. He, he was he, funny. He was no, good. He was. No, I, th- I think he's a great actor. I think Leslie Mann, it, she's yeah, a great like kind Mann. of manic yeah. presence on screen, and I think they channel that really well. This is like a character that I think she was, I don't want to say born to play, but it just like yeah. hits her the notes that she tends to hit, like, Pitch yeah. perfect that that, that yeah. works really well, um, and Ike Barinholtz. He's to great. Him, great. Like I knew him a little bit from Mad TV, and then Eastbound and Down. Mm-hmm. But Mad I TV, never I didn't know that. I yeah, didn't know he was a Mad yeah. TV. But then also Mindy Project. Mindy Project is what See, I know I didn't, from. I didn't, oh, he's know. great on Mindy yeah, Project. Hilarious. Yeah. But I thought he was fantastic mm-hmm. in this film, and it makes me want to go. Okay, I got to make sure that I pay attention to what he's in because he's a pretty funny presence. I like the character, but and I he think brings he did some of well. that. He brings some of that emotional. Grounding to it in the scene between him and his daughter. Spoilers, yeah, yeah. Between him and his daughter, but also between him and the other parents. Yes, when the car is inexplicably <laughs> uh, vertical, balancing on its nose on, on the on right. the on the front. Um, right. Yeah, and that I mean, you know, it kind of leaves pretty quickly, but it's still a pretty like, right. intense part of it. Where you know he offers another perspective to right. the narrative that we've been fed for you know, the entirety of the film or whatever. Um, right. So, yeah, I was the, I was the person that saw this and immediately was like, we got to talk about this on the show. Cause I thought it was really funny. Um, but also I, f- I feel like this thing has slipped through the cracks. Like people don't know about this film. It's like PBR, man. <laughs> no, PBR, PBR has slipped through no crap. Well, PBR yes. is I mean, a much higher Q, Q rating than this film does for sure. Dirty dank floorboards that it slid through, but that's about it. Well, um, I just wonder if it's, if the problem is like they, because I my, I remember seeing the trailer for this months back, and then nothing, nothing. And yeah. we had just decided a long time ago that we wanted to see this. And it was so funny. I, I just wonder if it's because it really is this cross between um, like a kid's teen romp and a gro- grown-up's middle-aged coming to terms with that, that they weren't really sure how to market it properly. I think that's, I think that's true, and I think that the... You know, the title says a lot about what the film is about, but only if you're like hip to that reference of what right. it means. So if if you weren't familiar with that phrase, yeah. you might not understand exactly like what it meant. It, but I I will say that I wasn't I was very unsure about it from seeing the trailers. It wasn't one that I saw yeah. the trailer for and was like, oh, I have to go see this. It was one that I probably had to see the trailer three or four times to finally be like, you know what, maybe there's something going on here that I need to check out. Well, I think one of the cool things, and this I didn't so much get from the trailer and I wouldn't have gotten unless I had seen it, is that the film is very sex positive in a way that most teen sex comedies aren't, or most films aren't. I mean, these these kids who are planning to be sexually active, as you said in the, Mm -hmm. the summer, you know, we have this hashtag Hashtag. sex pact uh, going on that... In that sort of, um, you know, that that journey that they lay out for themselves, they're not judged as being sort of irresponsible or that this is sort of out of what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, ultimately they're eighteen-year-old like, adults, yeah, young adults, right? Yeah. And and that is one, and it's all women, it's all daughters. Yeah, That's a key yeah. part of this too. Another big part, right? Female leads, and on top of that, bringing in a. Uh, 
uh, same-sex character or a character who right. is right. interested in having She's... a relationship with a same-sex partner, mm-hmm. but she hasn't revealed it to her friends. So that's part of the character development in yeah. the film too. Is you know her feeling oh comfortable with coming out to yeah. her friends. I was the the film that um, I want to talk about how how this film the extent to which you think it felt like a Judd Apatow movie. Because for me, it was kind of like uh, American Pie, which we're going to talk about later, revisit from almost 20 years ago. American Pie meets, you know, American Pie in the Judd Apatow era, sort of, yeah. to it. Mm-hmm. And he's not involved in the film at all, although Seth Rogen yeah, and Seth Evan Rogen, Goldberg are yeah. involved as producers. It still has so close. that. Yeah, and, and Leslie Mann, yeah. who's right. Judd Apatow's wife. It was, um, to me, this was like a better version of uh, This Is 40, which was a disappointing film for me to see. I think I was actually 40 when that film came out. <laughs> but uh, that, that film was a real letdown and obviously didn't have the, the emphasis on the, the kids, uh, you know, sex pact or any of that. But this film managed to be a really funny comedy, but also about, you know, parents coming to terms with their age and who they are too yeah. in a way mm-hmm. that I thought was good. And one thing that I wanted to bring up when talking about Blockers is uh, the director behind it, her directorial debut, Kay Cannon is the director. Um, and, you know, she's worked on things like 30 Rock and Nicole, okay. et cetera. Okay. But I think that having, I mean, it's crazy to say that this is something that doesn't happen very often, but having a movie that's about these, like, you know, female co-stars that's actually directed by a woman. So the perspective is much more like in tune with the reality of what those three high school girls would probably be like going through or thinking, which, you know, isn't, yeah, that's isn't something that happens as often. And, and I think that, I think that she did a really good job with, uh, really everything in the film, but especially the relationship between the three high school girls. Yeah. Uh, I'd be, I'd, I'd be interested to know more about that because it was written by men. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, right who haven't done a whole lot of stuff. I was checking them out. My Brian and Jim Kehoe are the key writers on this thing mm-hmm. and their IMDb list is pretty short, but, yeah. but it was, I mean, I looked it up not because I just wanted to know if it was men or women, but because I thought it was so funny. I wanted to know what else they had done. Right. Yeah. But you can see the, you can see this kind of problem with, uh, you know, films that revolve around a female lead in other things like, when Patty Jenkins did Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. it was pretty pretty good, and you know mm-hmm. there was it lacked yeah. a little bit in the third act, but overall, like her representation on screen was on point. She was like this very strong presence and everything. And then you go less than a year later to Justice League, where it's just like garbage. The way that <laughs> the way that every woman in like that movie is depicted, and the way every woman in any Zack Snyder movie really, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. so it, it shows that you know, regardless of who directed it, that whoever's at the head of it and whoever's leading it mm-hmm. is going to have like a huge impact on the way that certain characters are, are represented, how much importance is going to be put on them, especially when you get to the cutting room and everything. So I think that Kay Cannon's influence probably is what made, if I was to guess what made it so emotionally grounded as well as really funny. Right. Yeah, no, I, I, I was uh, sort of excited to see that as well, that it was directed by a woman and, Looking into her filmography, being her directorial debut, having mostly made, I think her name. You mentioned Thirty Rock. She had worked mm-hmm. on, but also the Pitch Perfect movie series, yes, right? Which she wrote, which those. I've not seen. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> but but I've known them to be these very celebrated, you know, yeah. sort of, um, you know, women led films of the last few years. So it's interesting, you know. But as a screenwriter, to have her first directorial project yeah. be. Her she's not really away from the from the page and it's, it's interesting so the thing about these kind of movies though is that you want to have like there's got to be what, what about the gags what about the funny scenes like right. what are the big i mean what can we uh talk about with the film without spoiling it for people to suggest that there's more there's something there that's like just good old really funny stuff and you know there should be some gross out here well, you've already is, yeah you've already mentioned butt chugging i mean yeah. that's in the butt chugging that's, that's that's all i have to say again that's in, that's in the trailer if so that's not enough to get anything. you in the theater i honestly don't right right and that is and i think they handle it fairly well yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just it's gentle yeah <laughs> they're trying to be right trying yeah. to be yeah what did she use as a lip balm or something <laughs> <laughs> i think ike's character spits on the yeah <laughs> right right but <laughs> But, uh, you know, I do think that we have, you know, that as sort of one of the prime gags. You have um, some recurring gags, you know, with certain characters that meet, you know, over and over again. The the breakdancer character (laughs) whose attempts to breakdance get thwarted. I'll, (laughs) I'll leave it at that. Um, well, that's the nice thing with, with Ike Barinholtz too. Is like whenever he is there, 
on screen, I'm just expecting him to do something like really obnoxious and funny in a yeah. physical physical way. Also, right. Not up just in out. the limo, out the yeah. out the door, and yeah. or out the out so the sunroof. So you get oh. plenty of those. That part was oh. funny. I'll, go ahead. You're getting plenty of those classic kind of teen sex comedy gags. But I'll just go back. You know, the beautiful part is it's also balanced with these really surprisingly meaningful scenes between the characters that one other than I'll highlight that sort of monologue that the, um, the mother who's not part of the crew who's out, remember yes, they stopped yes. at yeah. uh, John, John Cena's, Cena's wife. wife and she kind of talks with them about why they should not be pursuing yeah. the children. And it, I felt like that was kind of like the moral center of the film in this w- weird way that you rarely get in anything yeah, where, great where you scene. get something that clearly articulated and and it didn't come off as preachy either it just sounded like very common and and also i will say like one of the most the the greatest puking scenes i've ever seen i'll just leave it at that there's a great vomit scene yeah yeah. cascade of vomit cascade cascading vomit every yes so one last thing about blockers that i think can you know is kind of important to mention is i think that you know how well this movie will age i'm not sure but i think it is kind of like a really good especially with you know not to make it like deeper than it needs to be, but with all the stuff that's going on, like in just like the state of the country right now, but it's this like snapshot of that. These teenagers aren't these like idiot mindless people that need to, that don't have any autonomy of their own. Like it's showing like the, this generation of kids who have, you know, always had access to the internet and have always been able to educate themselves and like have this newfound like freedom that they're like more in charge of their lives than, yeah. People think they that they would be, and they're also like smarter and more well equipped to make like good decisions and not act reckless and ridiculous and stuff. Granted, I mean, obviously everybody's gonna there's gonna be people always doing that kind of stuff, but the fact that at the end of it, you know, there's a whole like, you know, not to spoil anything as to who does what and whatever, but you know, you have a point where the kids and the parents come to like this consensus that right yeah you don't need us to like helicopter over you as much as maybe we thought and they you know i do think that's good the kids are very smart and i also like that technology doesn't become the scapegoat i mean they use a lot of texting and that's partly how the parents kind of stumble onto it and stuff and i think a lot of times we we hear that you know stereotype of you know oh kids these days are so buried in their phones they're not doing that and yeah they're using their phones a lot but you see it's it's to connect with one another it's to make these plans it's to have these sort of side conversations when they're um in the midst of others and so it it never seems like it's a distraction from their lives it's like a tool that they're using in their lives more so than their parents who don't really get it and are having trouble with it and thus maybe would be reacting negatively. So that's all a a really good uh, comparison for us to have your talk about how this will age versus American Pie. Um, yes, I have many thoughts on how that it's aged. how technology is used <laughs> in that, and whether it's aged in the exploitive nature of certain aspects of that film, which have not aged. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, uh, this this beer is PBR, not not a beer that you want to age either. No, <laughs> um, I would not recommend sitting although, on. Although uh, one do not sit on PBR. your tall boys of PBR in, in the sense that this beer has been around for what I'm trying. I, to I was wondering, 1844, 1844. So this. Recipe or some variant of this recipe has been circulating. The recipe has stood the test of time, but not like the actual cans of beer themselves. Don't age the cans. No, of don't, yeah, don't yeah, age no. the cans of beer. Not necessary. But it is. I will. You know. So f- from the label standpoint, that is an iconic <laughs> beer label. Yeah. You know that blue ribbon. Um, the flavor, though. Whoa. <laughs> Leaves. I know. Now I know we could talk about the watery nature of this, uh, and it is. It go, it goes down. Quickly, what is I the mean, what is the official like beer aficionado term? It's very sessionable. Is that that's one way we could use the term aqueous? That it's it's a very <laughs> thin bodied beer, very uh, light. But I mean, but it does leave this kind of like aftertaste that I feel like is kind of uh, it like corn syrup kind of. Like, <laughs> so let me say, let me ask you know though. I mean, PBR obviously this is a. This is one of those beers that is everywhere, and it is like this go-to hipster beer, also cheap, blue-collar Milwaukee beer. Based um, in L.A. now. But if it's not good, esta- yeah, the can says established in Milwaukee in yeah, 1844. Right. Not there anymore. Um, if Dave or, or Carlos, if this isn't good, what would you drink instead? If you're as, looking for something like this. As a light, yeah. sort of easy-to-drink beer? Yeah, you know, lager, right? I, I mean, Lone I go star. 
Yeah. I mean, I mean, and I'll drink a Lone Star occasionally if I'm at a concert. Uh, yeah. but, you know, that tends to be where I have these kind of limited options. I mean, I, I am a I'm a craft beer guy. I tend to go with you know, Real Ale has their Hans's Pills. To me, that's really light and refreshing, but it also has like this great sort of. Uh, you know, grassy, hot profile. That but if you're at, it, you were just yesterday. You told me you I was were at a festival. You were at, at a, a festival, festival, and there is no craft beer anywhere. There is cans of Dos Equis. I bet Miller Lite. I opted Light for probably. tequila. You had a tequila. <laughs> you would rather have a mixed tequila beverage. Was it even tequila the, or like a weird white wine? No, it was it was tequila. I can't remember okay. the but it was it was legit tequila. That which is why I went with it. It's like yes, okay, okay. I, I recognize that brand. I know it's palatable. I can drink that. Mix it with grapefruit juice. We'll have a little Paloma. Lovely. <laughs> Enjoy it. That that's fine. I I mean, like I said, if I'm in a situation where I can get nothing else, I probably do go with Lone Star. Lone Star. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Miller High Life would be the other okay. one. Yeah, yeah. See, for me. Never Bud Light, Miller, Dos Equis. I, if I can avoid any of that stuff, I will at all costs. The only thing that I can think of that in the craft realm that even is vaguely related to this that's like light and kind of refreshing is, uh, I want to say it's Four Corners Local Buzz. Oh, yeah. That's the Honey Ryle, yeah. I like that one. Um, but usually if I'm going to go craft beer, I want like, you know... You want like, bolder flavors. Oh, you yeah, want, yeah, I want okay. it to be bold. That's Fair the enough. word I was looking for. I think this is a beer that you get where you're at a concert and you don't want to have to get in a fight with someone because they think you're some punk drinking craft beer. You want to show that you got the Pabst Blue Ribbon. Yeah. yeah. You're going for quantity. <laughs> you're floating down the river. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't matter if some water splashes into your beer. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> it does I mean, not matter. There, there may be situations. <laughs> I I think, you know, it would be... I'd be hard pressed to pick this up again in the near future, but <laughs> I'm I'm glad to have had it today. And to, a to well designed can, yes, great design. And so it looks like Ethan has not even touched the glass, let alone taken a sip of. His yeah, PBR. I'm not going to drink that PBR. <laughs> and I'm the guy who's talking shit about. Oh, yeah, I have an announcement to make. I gave up drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to drink beer anymore. Okay. <laughs> So that'll be a fun thing for everyone, uh, for our <laughs> listeners, to listen and find out um, at what point will Ethan break down, give up, and start drinking beer again. Okay. On the wow. podcast. All right. Play along at home <laughs> and just see, can he take being in close park? It's easy with the PBR. That was yeah, not hard not so. to drink that beer. All right. It's going to get more difficult when we pour some quality beers here pretty soon. Okay, well, let's let's see you crack. I don't stunned, know. <laughs> stunned faces in the room. Yeah, no, like this is where movie. podcasting is not the right format because, yeah, the reactions yeah. are largely nonverbal. <laughs> Very nonverbal. Still not sure if he's being serious or not. All right, so um, American Pie is our companion piece to this film. Uh, what what do we have to drink here, Carlos, to go along with this discussion? Well, this beer is made by Shiner, but I would personally, for the context of this, rebrand it as Stifler's Homespun Cream Ale. It's Shiner um, Cream Ale. Shiner, Homespun Cream Ale. Homespun Cream Ale. Um, now, why on earth would you take... pick that for this film? Well. Um, no, let's just don't even. Okay. <laughs> well, here's the beer. Those of you that have seen American Pie, may, perhaps you remember there's a scene in American Pie. There's no Shiner involved, but, but there's... There is a creamy beer. There is a creamy beer. There's a creamy beer, and it's a long extended gag on who's going to drink the creamy beer. Which right. I, I actually have quite a bit to say on that scene. Pour me a little um, bit there. Remarkably similar in appearance to the PBR. To, to a the little PBR. darker, a little darker. Slight, right? l- I mean, slight it is, hint of orange to that. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a darker yellow, but... Does it smell... Yeah, it's got some similarity, but it, yeah. but less of that kind of like there is that. I don't know. I personally am a fan of this particular brew from Shiner. If I'm, I would say that I am probably more likely to go to this one than the Bach for whatever reason. I think that before I really cared about what beer tasted like, I think I forced myself to drink some Shiners in like my teen years just so I didn't. To to look as if I had some kind of sophisticated taste, and it kind of has right. you know, scarred yeah. me to the actual taste of Shinerbach. Um, the the Shinerbach is good, but this very light and you know drinkable and 
Well, and and Cremel, this is a this is a style that a lot of breweries, at least around Texas, I know for sure, are, are making. Uh, uh, Buffalo Bayou does one. Mm-hmm. Um, it is cold and fermented, I think if I'm not mistaken, which is one of the defining characters. And Shiner came up uh, in our previous episode when we were trying to think of what beers we were drinking 10 years ago when we po- did podcasts. And Shiner had, was my go-to beer for a very long time, um, dating back to when I was a freshman in college and we had keg parties for school. School sponsored keg parties in the park and sick, <laughs> yeah. And I was eighteen, so it fits in nice with American Pie. But uh, yeah, well, with that said, let, let's talk a little. Let's about talk about American Pie. Film. Okay, I've got to start this one off. Yeah, so, so I yeah, so it tell, has tell been, the backstory here on you personally. For me film. personally, uh, I did. It has been barely over twenty four hours since I saw this movie for the first time. <laughs> I, Very and you're still I, reeling from it. I did not. I, you know, I said I said this a little earlier before we started recording, but when this movie came out, I was seven, and when the you know sequels and everything came, and it was you know, obviously and it's this still big, it's a franchise now where they're it, still putting out these American yeah. blank films. Yeah, uh, before it got to that point where it was yeah. a direct to DVD uh, brand. Um, yeah, I just you know I was the oldest in my family, so I didn't. It, and it was pre like you know the huge internet boom where like you know we have the internet in our right, pockets right, and stuff. Right, right. So it was you know impossible. It was impossible for me to you know. You couldn't have, watch it without your parents knowing. Yeah, I didn't have a plug for like you know. Yeah. Um, R-rated movies at the time. I mean, to a certain extent, but yeah, I just never saw it. And then by the time I could, I just didn't care anymore. And, uh, I, I get it. You know, I got the whole thing about it and knew the references by that point. So I was just like, whatever, you know, and then, mm-hmm. you know, the blockers idea came up and we were going to pair with this. I was like, you know, I should at least watch a little bit of it. And then, you know, I ended up being really kind of stuck there watching it in a way that you're, <laughs> that you kind of slow down when you drive past a scene where there's a lot of cop lights on, whether it's an accident or somebody getting pulled over. And you just kind of have to look and see like, what is that? What's happening there? (laughs) And that was really the entire time my viewing of this movie and just that like, holy shit, like what is happening? (laughs) Were this movie to be released today? I mean, boycotts, like people would, I mean, it's just so wildly like, kind of offensive and misogynist and like this very overwhelming sense of like male entitlement to like females bodies and like yeah. that, you know, losing their virginities on prom night is this kind of like thing that they are owed. And like, they just, it's the whole well, thing is just so crazy given like today's kind of, you know, political climate and I, stuff. And I go, go to, ahead, Dave. Well, I, I want us to talk about like our memories of having watched it right, 20 years right, ago. Right. Right. But but I do think that to Carlos's point, you know, watching it now in retrospect, it becomes all the more obvious just how sort of retrograde yeah. a lot of the, yeah. the yeah. mentality is, which which really, I think, defines the teen sex comedy genre to a large extent leading yeah. up to. I mean, admittedly, we're, we're taking a 20 year leap here from this to blockers yeah, and there's sure. been some stuff between that I have not paid super close attention to, but the eighties and nineties examples that I am familiar with because I was interested at the time. Um, you know, I went back and watched another one there and we may talk about it later, but same feeling. Like there were just these moments where I'm like, Oh my God, we're, we're making a joke out of the fact that the girl keeps saying no. And the guy keeps pressing forward anyway. It's like, this is kind of a rape scene, folks. What's going on? There's some very rapey vibes in this movie. And like to go back to what Ethan said about you guys talking about your first experiences watching it. One thing that I want to say is I would like one of you to tell me, having been there when it was released, who on earth this movie was made for, number one. And two, I I think that this is a particularly, like, you know, there are a lot of stereotypes and, like, you know, patriarchal kind of, like, gender conformities that come up in teen comedies going back to, like, you know, John Hughes, uh-huh, Sixteen Candles, uh-huh. and all that stuff. But in those films, it seems a little more like oh, why doesn't she like me? She likes him instead, not like, why won't she let me do this to her kind of thing. And it right. gets yeah. a, it gets well, way more sexualized I, and kind of violent. So here's the it. weird thing about this movie is that like 20 years ago, um, okay, it was made for high school kids, but also... Who couldn't get it into was, the movie? No, but it was more broadly successful than that. And it was really kind of lauded as a really fun, good comedy that somehow was a relief... And there hadn't been stuff like it at the time. And I think there was a kind of like 
the first wave of 80s nostalgia maybe happening around then. Mm -hmm. And it was compared to films like Porky's and so on. But here's the weird thing, Carlos, is that it came out in an era with like like the WB and Dawson's Creek and all that stuff was really big. And actually, the boys in this film, it, it becomes about them towards the end, you know, uh, realizing that what really matters is their friendships with one another. And one of the guys says he hadn't had sex, but he really has, but he doesn't want to share it. So they're all talking about their feelings in a way that I'm not saying this to say this is a good movie. I'm yeah. just trying to place it for you. No, At for that sure. time, it was considered like that is like this, God, it's not right to call it progressive, but the sense that what differentiated it from like Porky's and these other 80s movies that were just these sex romps was that it was actually these guys talking about these girls and the guy decides he doesn't want to be on the lacrosse team. He wants to be with Mina Savari. And all that is yeah. like bizarre watching it now because you realize how effed up most of the film is around those things. Particularly, the one thing that I think, um, and, and you guys can jump in and interrupt me, but... The one thing that is is kind of interesting to me is how obviously, you know, one thing that hadn't happened then was that cyberbullying and sexting and all that stuff didn't exist. So the scene in this film that that's like the center of so much of it is him setting up mortifying to watch. Yeah, it is mortifying uh, him setting up this video secure video scene so they can watch this girl undress in his bedroom. Um, you know, and then and, and she leaves the country afterwards because now that the whole school has seen her naked, and yet at the very end of the film, they add this little bit where uh, it must not have been that bad because now she wants to be friends with him again and yeah. he's dancing for her. I mean, that's to thing, bare naked ladies, yeah, to bare naked ladies. <laughs> um. I mean, that obvious that's pre the audience would not know, like, how would not have all the baggage of. The, the destructiveness of yeah. sexting and shaming, yeah. all the kind of online stuff that's happened yet. It wasn't a cultural phenomenon yet. And one thing but, that I will but say... But everyone knew that was, you know, effed up and sexist, yeah. sure, but not the extent to which... We know about it now. Yeah. And one thing I will say about how you started that was one of my notes was that, like, yes, it does kind of redeem itself a little bit at the end. You know, we find out that the Shermanator hadn't actually lost his virginity that night in <laughs> Stifler's house, and he gets called out for it, and then all the guys are like, yeah, maybe this really isn't as important as we thought it was, and that, you know, being free. I agree that that part, it has a redemptive nature to it, and but it puts you through so much to get to yeah. that little part at the end. And by the time I got there, I was oh, yeah. like, yeah. You don't I mean, buy it. I was just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, but, um, it, but this was, you know, back back to Ethan's point, in the time, this was a huge movie. I mean, Yeah, it like, was. You know, Blockers, I don't think it's going it to blow up. It doesn't even register. Kinda, I mean, no. it, it's getting some critical praise and whatnot for, for some of the stuff that we've been talking about yeah. earlier. But, it, you know, American Pie was like one of those zeitgeist movies yes. where like for that summer or whatever it came out 99 it, it seemed like you couldn't go anywhere without somebody referencing that film yeah. or you know and, and again part part of that has to do with our ages at the time I think we were both well kinda... that's the weird thing though is like we weren't I mean I was 26 <laughs> right <laughs> I don't have an excuse other than that's that's what I mean is like it was broader it was perceived as being more broadly popular fair than enough just... but I, I mean I think probably if you were between the ages of say 18 and 38 that was a movie that you were most like you know you're like a gen x or yeah it was very much a movie of that moment for i think people of our generation versus yeah no i don't think a lot of well you know maybe some folks who are more open-minded in their 40s 50s (laughs) whatever were seeing it but but regardless um it didn't bring in the parental characters in a right. way that made you feel like they would have had a lot to connect with. I mean, yeah. Eugene Levy's funny. He's hilarious. And, 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 he ha- and he has some great moments. And he is, I think, one of the redeeming parts of the yeah. film yeah. in many ways. However, I don't think, like, me watching it as a f- almost 40-year-old man um, with kids, I'm not, like, relating to his character and thinking, like, <laughs> oh, that's me on the street. Whereas when I watch Blockers, it's like, yeah, yeah it's yeah. easy to see myself in, like, some version of Oh, the kids of, are like, absolutely centered. Cent- central to this and you know when i started watching it i kind of felt like oh god we really want to talk about this i don't want to draw (laughs) a bunch of attention to it but it is uncanny how close it is i mean because it is four guys who have a sex pack for prom and they use that word in both films the word sex pact yeah in both which i thought was interesting when i was watching american pie which i saw after blockers yeah Um, so did any of the comedy hold up i'm i'm there's some funny bits, you know. I, but. I, 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 I'm having a hard time. I know I did laugh 
but I can't remember why. So the scene that the beer is in reference to, I yes. will say, is a very good scene in so far as that it is just like really expert writing in that <laughs> it teases that it's going to happen and like it all like he you know two different characters almost drink that That's beer yeah. on like three or four different occasions and they they get so close each time and you're like oh and then by the time it actually happens it's like you know it's kind of how and not that they're like really that related but. Um, you know, Alfred Hitchcock would always say that suspense was that the you, audience knows before the characters mm. on screen know what's about to happen. And so the whole time you're just like, okay, this is going to happen. I know something. That Carlos they don't. Cooper, ladies and gentlemen, the man <laughs> that compared American Pie and the Cream Ale to Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> and his discussion <laughs> but, of suspense. But you'll never be able to live that down, Carlos. It's the same principle, though. It's the same right. underlying principles that the audience knows something that the characters yeah, on yeah, screen yeah. don't. And it's done like so well that it 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 drags on just long enough that you think there's a chance it's not going to happen. And, you know, and then finally it does and it pays off. And it's a funny, it's a funny bit. Yeah. If yeah. you're, if you're thinking about watching this film again, beware, uh, well, fair warning of the music that you're going to be subjected to. It's amazing. You're going to be subjected to the bare naked ladies, uh, third eye blind. Dishwalla. Dishwalla. Yes. Dishwalla. What else? Okay, let me just say some. Let me say something in in defense of the American Blink One Eighty Two Sugar Ray. That Blink One Eighty Two song is good. Sugar Ray. It holds up. Blink One Eighty Two's cameo in this movie is also great, and one of the things that I particularly enjoyed about it. They show up when Jason Biggs' character is broadcasting. Yeah, they're Nadia, watching the broadcast. They're like, they're like in the middle of band practice, playing the song that's playing during the scene. Oh wow! Um, but let let's be fair. Some of the songs on this uh, soundtrack hold up, like. Um, Third Eye Blind, Semi-Charm Life, still a banger. Still a great <laughs> song. I do not care what anyone says. If you go to karaoke and you sing Semi-Charm Life, the crowd is going to love it. Do, Everyone do, do. there is going to love if it. If you do, 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 do it, if you do it, I think they're going to love it. I think if anybody do, do, do. Uh, I, I still think Everclear is a good band. I don't care what anybody says. Celebrity Skin that. by Hole, that's pretty good. You, you, have James lot, at last. you have a lot more love for the, the late 90s alternative era than I do. I, I think it was like I burnt out Yes, because I had that early 90s yeah see, i didn't have that and so by the time i came into so like films we could go further back and they aren't teen sex but like reality bites singles those are soundtracks singles, that yeah. i look at as like oh and now i'm sure people could point and be like oh these are cheesy songs like yeah. this is this is terrible but i had sort of gotten to the point where i think i was over the idea of the prepackaged like pop alternative soundtrack see and and see for me the like mid to late 90s even early 2000s soundtracks that's like peak film soundtracks for me because that's when like every movie had a like a good pop punk song in it there was probably even you know if we were lucky enough some third wave ska in there <laughs> uh and and things like that and right. so like obviously like i was born in 92 so i wasn't really sentient during the early 90 parts of the year i don't have any memories right. of it so but a lot of this stuff like blink 182 was like the band that got me into punk rock so i have like a soft spot for them and then i I just remember hearing bands like bands like Everclear on the radio a lot. So it just kind of is this nostalgic thing. That I would rather I watch see. this film again than listen to a Blink-182 album. There you have it, folks. A Blink One Eighty Two album. A Blink One Eighty Two album would be shorter. <laughs> That's just, true. Just so you can. You know, I would think about I would, that. I guess you'd have to. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's living, having lived through the last not, the the late '90s and having to listen to that stuff on the radio constantly, I just don't have the same warm feelings for it. Right. Well, you know that I mean, the, I think again, you you kind of age out and maybe even back into these things sometimes. I've aged back into it. I'll yeah. tell there you, you go. <laughs> and I think that "Bare Naked Lady" song is a good song. I don't care what anybody says; it's catchy. It's fun to listen to. Do you, does it make Hot you want to get up? The, the, the one thing for me, too, is I didn't understand, like, what was supposed to be so funny about Jason Biggs taking his clothes off, right? Like, like that, at the that, end of the film? It's dancing to that song and, it's like... because he's an awkward kid trying to, like, not be awkward and bailing at it miserably. Well, and, yeah, it's because you know, we it, laugh at... I don't male, know. It just wasn't funny at male all. Male nudity. So. I mean, generally. Yeah. Okay. Like, generally, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's true. All we, right. We kind of... I mean, that even... That's the whole That point, carries right? through to blockers to some extent. Yeah. Not totally. I mean, it was... Yeah, I don't want to get too deep into it, but it was interesting, I thought, how they handled... John Cena shows some skin in that, and it's kind of funny when right. it happens. Well, and Gary Cole and uh, yeah. um, Gina Gershon. Yeah. Like, that that whole that was, element to it. They Love were Gary great. Cole. I do, yeah, I do too. And I think they were kind of being played as... Like, they were probably the sexiest characters of the film, in the sense <laughs> right. that you're seeing them nude, yeah. they're playing The oversexed games. characters. Right. I guess yeah. this is spoilers. But, but it's interesting, because, you know, there they are, and they're like, you know... What in their early fifties? Yeah, I, but in, yeah. totally over involved in 
and too open life. with their kids for about, sure. about yeah. their activities. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then again, not necessarily judged for it. I don't know. It, yeah. I don't. I don't think it damns them. All right. No, well, it doesn't. Um, inform. I think it's time for us to uh, get back around to this. What this beer tastes like? Yeah. So I mean, I've been sipping on it. I'm enjoying this. I mean, it's it is. I think very in some ways very comparable, at least in terms of the class of beer that we're talking about to the PBR. I mean, it's very light, very easy to throw back. Yeah. You know, I used the term aqueous before. It is kind of an aqueous. 5% alcohol. It goes right down. It's reasonable. Yeah. But but it's Full a little... beer. But I think it's crisper. It doesn't it is, leave yeah. as much of that kind of residual... Much like better a, aftertaste. A much yeah, better exactly. Aftertaste. And a little bit more of a hop character. Not like yep. huge, but there's a little bittering hop in there that just kind of gives it a kiss where I'm like, okay, this is this is balancing out some of that sense that there's a little sweetness there so yeah for me this beer if for whatever godforsaken reason i was going to go to the beach and like spend some time outside um (laughs) this would be the beer that i would (laughs) that i would drink not a not a beach fan another hot right um but yeah if i was going to be doing anything outside for a long period of time and was trying to you know bring an ice chest full of something it would probably be this or something comparable to it in the craft beer realm because i it's very it's very light and refreshing and it's not gonna you know make you feel like super full super fast and it you know the flavors aren't too intense that you know combined with like the sun beating down on you it's gonna get you know uncomfortable but yeah uh yeah great summer beer i would say well we're uh beer fans movie fans and also big music fans here carlos even owns a record store one of the things that we want to do on our podcast uh from time to time maybe every episode we'll see is talk about soundtracks and uh, appropriate soundtrack or just something really interesting that maybe comes through the doors of, of Carlos's store. Um, tell us about why you, uh, what your interest in soundtracks is, Carlos. I think that the first thing that I ever was like, that I really honed in on as a record collector before I was a record purveyor with soundtracks, um, you know, some boutique soundtrack labels started popping up and doing really interesting things. Um, and I think Part of my gravitation was horror soundtracks originally because I like the deep kind of ominous synths and stuff. But I've since ventured out, but I just, you know, it's one of those things you can put the record on and like start seeing scenes from your favorite movies, like hearing the songs, you know? And so I've always really, really liked collecting soundtracks and listening to them. And whenever I opened my store, one of the first things that I wanted to do was to have a good soundtrack section. And I wanted to have some of those boutique labels that are putting out the deluxe editions with the new artwork and all that stuff. And yeah, so that's always been one of my focuses and I really, yeah, I hope that, you know, at least every other episode, maybe we can sneak some of that in because there, you can't, for me, you can't separate the music from the movie. It's such a huge part of it. Yeah, for sure. So you've talked a lot about, well, we've, we have all talked a lot about the American Pie soundtrack. Right. Love it. Less so with blockers. Um, don't love it as much. Yeah. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a, 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 a well done or even a significant part of. It. I can't name a song that I heard. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it it does seem period appropriate. I it mean, I, I think they're playing contemporary music, but again, not music that I'm listening to um, or, or that I think any of us yeah. here are. But but it seems period appropriate. A lot of these teen sex comedies tend to be that way, right? I mean, it's about sure. the the period it's set in. Um, you know, you look at Porky's, it was actually made in the eighties, but it was set when, like in the, Oh, that's 50s, right. I forgot about right? that. Yeah. So, so like a lot of period, it's of kind of like an animal house type situation. Yeah, exactly. Now one, and I kind of mentioned this earlier in the episode, one that I actually went back and watched in part because they showed the trailer for it when I went to see it, uh, at, when I went to see blockers at the Alamo draft house, they tend to, you know, in yeah, that show pre-show up. and, and I had never seen the film and yet I was sort of floored by how many good songs were referenced in the trailer that they were showing. And sure enough, I mean, the soundtrack is fantastic. So this is the last American Virgin, kind of a similar film. I mean, what year did ways, it come out? Uh, 82. 82. So it was the year after Porky's, I think. Okay. So it was definitely probably inspired by that. Um, put up by Canon Films, who, you know, were, for those who are in the know, were like putting out a lot of kind of B, lower budget films at the time that were... Um, how would I say it? Like riding the coattails of other successes for, uh-huh. for the for the moment, but they obviously paid some money for the soundtrack for for the for the songs they were using because we're talking about you know Tommy Two Tone, The Police, Devo, Whip It used multiple times throughout the film. Uh-huh. Uh, fantastic Oingo Boingo, which actually shows up uh, as a poster, and I think it's in a bathroom, <laughs> honestly, yeah. in one of the house parties. Great band, scenes. arguably a ska band. 
Ooh. I have an argument for that, <laughs> Ethan. We can go toe to toe. Arguably, later. and they're good because they're much more than this goblin. <laughs> so, but but the cars, the waitresses, you too. They use "I will follow," which I. I, and we could talk about this on another episode, maybe, but I'm not a huge U2 fan. Normally. But I do like that, the early sound that they kind of locked into. I Will Follow is one of those singles that anytime it comes on, I'll be like, yeah, I, I do like this. If, if, if this is what we're calling U2, then I'm okay with yeah, it. Yeah, there's so, some 80s standards there I see from uh, uh, I Know What Boys Like. Yes, that's on right, there. the waitresses. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's so fantastic kind of new wave, tilting, pop right. soundtrack from the time. Um I mean, again, like I said, I'm kind of floored that this film that was probably made for very little money at the time had no notable stars in it. I mean, most of the people have gone on to sort of TV acting roles and stuff. Um, But, you know, they obviously paid some money for the So did you watch the film, though? I did. What did you think about the film? It actually was a little bit... um, Okay, funny, the first... Two acts, I would say, are just straight ahead what I remember of teen sex comedies in general, like lots of gags, lots of little, you know, pratfalls, kind of silly, you know, like the guy trying to escape the house, jumping out the window, no clothes, you know, running down the street, those kind of things. (laughs) Like funny, right? Parents are walking in on people. He gets in bed with a mom who he doesn't realize is the mom. It's all weird. Um, (laughs) But, you know, funny stuff. In yeah. the mold of what you would think, a little troubling at times where it's like definitely male centric, definitely about these boys and how they feel entitled to have yeah. sex and how they push themselves on girls. But then the third act really takes this interesting turn where it becomes about one of the friends. There's kind of a core group of three friends. One of the friends uh, gets a girl pregnant. Oh, who, who who another Plot of the twist. friends uh. who another of the friends likes. And so he uses it as kind of an opportunity to go in and like be the nice guy and kind of take over because his friend has no interest and he just kind of ignores the uh, the girl he's impregnated. And so he comes in, he's like, oh, I'll help you out, which means taking her for an abortion, um, which he does and kind of gets her through that whole process. And there's like this really kind of... Um, I don't know. I mean, dramatic kind of turn that that third act takes when they get together. And then... The final scene is a house party where he walks in. She's back with the guy Ooh. who impregnated her. He just like, they lock eyes. You get like, you know, shot, reverse shot of them looking at each other. He walks out, drives away, the fucking end. <laughs> 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 Trying to lay off the F-bomb. <laughs> no, that but, was very- but it was just like cold and, and like the credits start rolling. I'm like... That's where you leave it. I was watching a teen sex comedy. You're going oh, for like some kind and of. And then he kills himself. Yeah. Well, apparently Basically. that would that would have been the coda if we had yeah. gone that far. But yeah, so Jeez. I watched it with I watched it with my wife, and she turned to me and she's like, "That was not good. <laughs> <laughs> that was not any fun." I'm like, "That's what you get for thinking it was going to be good." Well, right, there honey? you go. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, obviously, trying to do something a little weighty for the time. All right, well, is it well, time for us to wrap things up? I think it is, right? So, yeah, sure. so at the end of every episode now, we're going to try to uh, recap what's going on in terms of our feelings on these films and these beers yes, and let you know whether we think these are things that you should go out and try, uh, try to see, try to drink, whatever, um, or if these are things that you kind of take a pass on. So probably makes sense to start uh, with with the film that we started with. Yeah, blockers. So I, blockers. I I say go go see it in a theater if you can, just because it's fun to see comedies with a bunch of people. Yeah, yeah I agree with that. Um, definitely fun to see in a, a crowded theater if you can. Uh, but also, a lot of the jokes will still play. Yeah, absolutely. At home. Yeah, I would agree. I think I think this would be a good one. I, if you can catch it in the theater, do that. If not. Maybe invite a few friends over, put it on. Should see it though, I would say, just yeah. flat yeah, out. Yeah, maybe, but maybe, you know, I don't I don't think I'd want to sit down and watch it with my teenage daughter. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. If you have a teenage daughter, maybe maybe not, maybe not this maybe one. Maybe separately. Yeah. I don't know. Or I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. But either way, I think Don't drink PBR while you're watching it though. Yeah, I was well, say, there you PBR go. was not a fan favorite no, at this table. No. <laughs> Uh, on to that, yeah. So we, we, are we pretty much in agreement here that n- none of us are really reaching for the PBR? <laughs> we are not. <laughs> okay. I'm not, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, no, I would read. I will reach. It is in, ro- some, it is in 
slight rotation in my beers depending on what's like depending on what's going on. It's okay. making it easy for but me you, not well, to you, drink you, beer. You if I'm <laughs> somewhere and that's what they have, it'll be easy for me not to drink okay. the PBR. Yeah, if I'm having a bunch of people over and everyone expects me to provide the beer, they're getting PBR. <laughs> because <laughs> don't hang out. Lesson is don't hang out with Carlos. <laughs> because I'm right. going to enjoy it and whether you do or not, you know. Right, fine. Right, right, right. Um, so okay. So I think P- PBR, maybe a utilitarian beer. It, a make, utilitarian it makes beer. sense yes. certain it is. times. That is the word for it, the and, utilitarian beer. Uh, uh, American Pie. American probably, Pie is a no-go in 2018. No, don't bother with that. <laughs> if you've never seen it before in Now's 2018, not yeah. probably not. And, and, and perhaps don't even need to revisit it. Yeah. I mean, if, Have if, the fond memories and don't let a reviewing of it kind of mess that up for right, you. Right, know? right. Uh, and then with the Shiner Homespun Cream Ale, I say that's a go for me. Yeah, I don't. Th- I solid beer. I don't see myself picking up a six pack of this. I I do think Carlos was right that this would be a good beach beer. I have some other beers that I prefer. I kind of like something that's mildly sour at the beach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of helps. Uh, but but that said, very drinkable, very enjoyable. Probably the best Shiner beer that I've had. In and a you can twist years. the cap off without having to have an opener if you actually yeah, so there you twist go. Twist off okay. to get the beer out. So we want to remind everyone that where you can find us, beerandamoviepodcast.com. We are also on the usual set of social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Beer and a Movie Podcast. Look us up. Send us a shout. Um, we, we, Give we, us suggestions. Yeah. Right? We were talking earlier about, you know, post what your... Uh, Last experience with PBR was, um, you know, I would anything. very much like to know about that. Absolutely, right. We could get PBR stories. Also, be sure and subscribe. We are in the. Uh, hopefully, you found us uh, in Apple's or uh, the iTunes Store or other places to subscribe to the podcast. That helps us out a whole lot. Okay. And you know, the other thing that we we're talking about is we're, we're going to get on the website. We want to put up the upcoming films, and we'd like to get people's suggestion for beer pairings. Obviously, we're trying to put a little bit of thought into what beers we pair with these movies. We'd love to hear what you guys think would be a good match. Good point, good point. So either movies you want us to watch or beers you want us to drink or combinations thereof, please send them our way. Very much want your feedback, rate, review, subscribe. We'll talk to you later. (laughs) 